The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily state or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 26th of March, 2022. I'm your host, Bad Billy. Got a good show lined up for you as always. In just a little bit, I'll be welcoming back my good friend, Mike Miller. We got some things to discuss, a little bit more on his campaign and a few other things. In the second hour, yes, it's that time for an AOW classic. You'll hear an interview that I recorded back in 2011 with the Emmett Eliminator, Kenny Keene, who's a boxing legend here in the state of Idaho. And in the third hour, as always, I'm joined by the icon, Stephen James, for the Steve Solution. Before I get to any of that, I want to go ahead and cue the first song of the show. Here is Muzzy Braun with Stick to Your Guns. And I'll be back with the conversation with Mike Miller right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. There'll be times when you're cornered with your back up against the wall The time will come when you're faced to fight When the winner takes it all Stand up for what's inside of you Don't turn your back, don't run You gotta live by your convictions You gotta stick to your guns Stick to your guns Let your conscience be your guide Sometimes it's hard to face the truth But it's no good to hide You gotta learn from your experience Son, a quitter never won So when you get bucked off, climb back on Always stick to your guns Stick to your guns Stick to your guns Someday you'll have to swallow pride When things don't turn out right 
When your mouth goes off like a gunshot, there'll be a bullet there to bite. You gotta learn to say you're sorry and admit it when you're wrong. When it's your turn to face the music, you won't always like the song. But stick to your gun. Let your conscience be your guide. Sometimes it's hard to face the truth, but it's no good to hide. You gotta learn from your experience. Son of quitter, never won. So when you get bucked off, climb back on. Always stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. Stick to your thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. In whatever you do, always give 100%, unless it's donating blood. Mr. Holland, Mr. Holland, over here, over here. Ma'am, ma'am, please keep it in your pants. Freedom of speech is the most important civil liberty in a democratic society. It's our biggest weapon against fear and conformity and protects us from living under a communist government. It's important for individuals and social growth and it protects us from censorship and corruption. Don't be silenced. Express your freedom of speech. 
This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, the Cormac Foundation, and this station. So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25-year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Visit the store section and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. I'm Neil, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Muzzy Braun with Stick to Your Guns. And now it's time for Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk with Mike Miller. Here we go. Outlaw Radio, conservative talk. I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. We will make America great again. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Outlaw Radio, conservative talk starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk, once again, I am joined by my good buddy Mike Miller, yes, running for Idaho State Legislature, District 11. What's going on, buddy? Just hanging out, enjoying uh, beautiful Idaho weather, Um, just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. uh, Rocky Patel cigar. (laughs) Well, I I know that uh, it's going to get uh, next couple of days, it's going to get up to seventy-eight around here, but then it's supposed to get cold again. So, I mean, that but that's Idaho. Yep, yep. Some places will probably get snow. Who knows? It's Idaho. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, for you and your campaign, you've been having some meet and greets. Uh, overall, th- things aren't looking too bad for you. 
No, things are going super well. I mean, we're doing uh, a lot of door-to-door. We're doing meet and greets, everything like that, getting out and meeting with people, talking with people. And it's been cool for me um, that a lot of places I'm going, I'm starting to be recognized and people are coming up to me and saying, hey, you're running for office. Your name's Mike, right? And, you know, kind of the conversation builds and goes from there. And they've all been positive so far. I'm sure at some point we'll get a negative one, but so far it's been super positive. Yes, yes. at least... uh None of the libtards have come up and given you a bad time? No, not yet. But, you know, I, I welcome, you know, all opinions, good and bad. And, you know, let's yeah. have those conversations. So, Yeah, yeah. Unless they want to take a swing at you just because a lot of them are that way, sadly. <laughs> yeah, so um, Overall, um, it's uh, May seventeenth, right? That's that's the day to get past the prelims. Yeah, so that's uh, May seventeenth is the primary uh, election day, and that is here in Idaho, and I imagine in a lot of places across this country, that is the day to vote. I mean, we need to get out on every election, but if you are unhappy with how your area is being ran, especially here in Idaho, and you're unhappy with the Republicans or the people that have an R behind their name, if you're unhappy with them. May 17th is the time to kick them out to vote for change. Because if you wait till after that and that person wins, then it's going to be between that individual, a Democrat, and maybe, you know, an independent or something like that. So the primaries are where it's at in Idaho. Yes. Yes. I mean, and like, you know, especially for those that are running Republican and want to want to run old school Republican have to have to deal with the modern day rhino. It's, that's where that's where the real battle is because it's, uh, you know, when we think about it, uh, yeah, we've had some Democrats win here in Idaho in different offices. We haven't had a presidential elect when uh, Democrats since uh, LBJ, and of course, uh, yeah, that that racist bastard who killed Kennedy. And if you ask me, Kennedy was the last decent Democrat that we had. But uh, but overall, yeah, the, uh, May seventeenth. But uh, you sent me uh, you sent me a link one day that uh, I found rather disturbing last week. Kayla and I were talking about uh, she's given her opinions about critical race theory, and she thinks she finds it highly offensive herself as an African American. But somehow, even though Idaho, the state of Idaho, has pretty much barred critical race theory in general. They found a way to sneak it underneath people's noses, and they want to teach this crap to our kids. Yep, that's hundred uh, percent. There, there's a video that was released. Um, it was kind of like a Project Veritas uh, type video where they have multiple school officials from, you know, Nampa, Caldwell, Boise, uh, you know, and some other places talking about. Oh, we're yeah, we're teaching it. We're just changing the terms. We're doing these things. We're calling it, you know mental health training. We're changing the terms. And that's what, you know, a lot of these enemies of freedom, whether they're terrorists or, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, school teachers and school administrators and all sorts of different people, they change terms to make it sound warm and fuzzy. And even with the transgender type stuff that we're changing terms to make it more, you know, they're marketing it is really all they're doing is they're looking at, Hey, how can we market this item better? You know, the, uh, Everybody does it, unfortunately, but you know, yeah, they're still they're still teaching it, even though it's illegal here in Idaho. Yes, yeah, so they 
they're basically, you know, what it, what it really scares, scares me is, uh, you know, basically we get, we get the rhinos like, uh, our current governor in right now, uh, of course, Brad Little and, uh, then they'll, you know, they get somebody like, like Little who the people are going to get tired of and say, well, eventually let's see if, uh, they're going to be people stupid enough to say, oh, let's vote Democrat and another means of turning the, this state blue. In fact, uh, that one progressive from Boise that uh, I had a debate with uh, almost a couple years ago here on Outlaw Radio, he says Twin Falls is purple, while Boise is bright blue, which if no, Boise is not bright blue. It's actually a lighter colored blue because there's 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 still a lot a lot of uh, conservative people, conservative uh, with conservative values, and uh, you you know we can't mistake the Californians that are moving into Idaho because the majority of them are not Democrats coming over here to change the way we live, the way we you know the way things are run around here. They are old school conservatives that are tired of what California has become. So they, they seek this place as a safe haven. That I, I think mostly that's true, but I, I mean, a little bit of pushback on that. I mean, Boise is the new Portland. You look at the mayor, you look at the police chief, you look at that kind of stuff. And as I welcome people from other States, you know, Hey, you're moving to Idaho for a reason. But part of one of the concerns that I have is that, how conservative is a conservative Californian? Because they're coming from a crazy, wacko liberal state where, you know, is a conservative in California when they come here, do we see them more as like a blue dog, um, you know, Democrat type of person? Are they a true, you know, conservative Republican type person? And a lot of them are, um, but I think that's still, you know, as we continue to look for, you know, hey, these are the values we want in Idaho and we want to uphold of, you know, who are these people and the Republican party, especially in Canning County and all over is kind of going through this right now of, you know, that you have the conservative wing of the Republican party and you have the more uh, left leaning part of the Republican party and kind of working through a lot of that stuff currently, as I've been on the trail, kind of noticed that stuff where uh, before I wasn't seeing it, but now it's, and it's just glaring out there. Well, there. I also saw something that's going on in uh, Texas. Um, of course, uh, that uh, left-wing nutjob bitch, Jessica Luther Rummel, who's so dead set on ruining, uh, ru- ruining the state of Texas with uh, pro- progressive, liberal, communist ways, and she has admitted, she's, she said in one of her videos, uh, she said, hail Stalin, hail Marx. And, uh, well, it's so yeah. a prime example of that is, uh, you may not know who it is. I think it's, I can't remember what it's in the Nampa area, but, uh, Jaron Crane running awesome, great guy. I love the family. Um, went to church with him and his family for many, many years, but the Republican that's running against him. Like if you look at their Facebook and their social media, they were, uh, they were massively a Democrat before. And now like we've heard these r- rumors and things of people mm-hmm. switching their party affiliation for these primaries. That is a perfect example of that happening here, right in Idaho. Well, 
what Jessica Luther Rummel did is, uh, you know, she's she's sadly got a huge, huge following, and uh, there there was a a lawyer who just moved into Texas from uh, I think it was either Boston or Hartford, Connecticut, or so, somewhere, you know, those really blue areas of New England. And he said, the reason why I'm here is because things need to change. The fight is here in Texas. How many of them are coming to Idaho, too? That's scary. Well, and, you know, looking at Texas, there's definitely red, red spots of Texas, which is awesome. But you look at like an Austin where you have people from New York and California moving in and they're congregating to those areas and, and turning it into, you know, a blue area. And then just like they've done in other areas where even California, you have a lot of the, you know, the country parts of California, they'll vote red all the time. But you look at, you know, L- L.A. and um, county and a lot of those areas, you know, they're always voting blue. And, you know, it's the, I fear the same things happening to Texas, same things starting to migrate here to Idaho unless we can stand up and quit being a part of the silent majority and being vocal like you, like you've done, like many people I know, many patriots are doing and being active and vocal in all of politics, you know, from the school boards, city councils, all the way up, because that's what the Democrats have been doing for years and years while we've been, you know, just working and providing for our families and just minding our own business. They've been actively, in my mind, destroying this country. Well, let's look at your original home state, Montana. Beautiful area. I wish I could own some land there. I'll tell you, tell you what. Um, but, uh, well, uh, what's, do you know what the new nickname for Bozeman is? Uh-uh. Angeles. <laughs> um, so I, I know Bozeman has turned completely blue. Uh, Missoula has turned blue. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, Billings is still red, but it's starting to turn pink. Um, Helena is turning pink. Great Falls is uh, starting to turn pink. You know, so it, it's not going to take much because Mo- Montana, being a hu- the huge state that it is, is uh, it's not going to take much to turn that state blue. You know, and, nope. and and you have all these people. You know, Democrats generally speaking flock to cities. They flock to m- metropolitan areas. And, you know, and then they, you know, they move in numbers and they mass in these areas. And that's how they're controlling states is, you know, especially look at the last presidential election, county by county, like Trump won way more counties all over the entire country. But there was little pockets where there's mass population of, you know, Democrats. Well, let's uh, take a look at the state of Illinois. There's the state of Illinois. And then there's the city of Chicago. Of course, the city of Chicago di- dictates what what side that's going to lean. And you know, obviously, uh, you look at the red, look at look at Illinois from outside of Chicago. It is bright red, but yep. but uh, Chicago being blue as it as Lake Michigan just you know just consumes what's the the whole state, which. Oh no! It's, uh, it, it sucks. Yeah, but I think it, it comes back to being vocal and active. And like we were talking about a minute ago, the CRT stuff. One thing I've encouraged people uh, lately is if you have kids in public school, go audit a class, go sit in on a class, see what 
your son or daughter are learning in their science class or their math class or their history class or whatever class and just go in and sit down. Uh, and you know, you don't have to do it all the time. You don't have to be weird about it, but see one at the schools will let you and two, you know, develop a relationship with their teachers. Know, you know, Hey, these are the kind of teachers that they have. These are who they are. And you know, you can make informed decisions as a parent that way, I think is one awesome choice. Yes. And another thing I want to touch up on too is uh, Mike Lindell, uh, you know, the uh, CEO of My Pillow. And like I said uh, before, if you go to uh, mypillow.com, order some stuff, be sure to put in the code OUTLAW so you can save up to 66% on uh, your order there. Yes, indeed. But uh, Mike, Mike Lindell has. Pretty much, you know, he has not stopped with his investigation into uh, voter fraud. I mean, I I could sense it uh, from the beginning, as I'm sure many, many, many people could, even though you got these idiots that, well, Donald Trump started the res, the, uh, oh, what's what's that word I'm looking for? It slipped my mind for a, for a moment there. But basically, you know, it's all Donald Trump's fault that that whole thing that happened at the Capitol January 6th, you know, uh, which there's evidence, even though people aren't going to listen, there's evidence that that was acted out by Antifa dressing up in in uh, full MAGA gear and trying to make Trump look bad. Trump had nothing to do with that. That was a setup. That He was framed on that. Well, I... Uh- Interesting little factoid I heard the other day was the other day was the uh, the third uh, anniversary of the Re- Mueller report coming out saying, hey, Russian collusion, all that was garbage and a hoax. It's been three years since that report came out debunking the whole Russian collusion story and all that. But yet the media, the, you know, the corporate media is still pushing that stuff continually. But the facts and the truth have been out there for over three years. Yeah. Well, you know, this whole thing too is, don't you, didn't you think it was funny that, uh, that this last election that, uh, you're sitting there and Idaho has always called before California and California, all of a sudden calls before people are even done with dinner. Yeah, that, well, that was a big issue. I know like Alaska and stuff, you know, they've always kind of said, hey, we have some issues because a lot of times half the results are out by the time our polls even close. We still have people in line and they're like, oh, why am I even voting anymore? Because this is what everybody else in the country's already already done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I'm- but, uh, you know, they... I mean... Uh, this this mail in voting they had it's Wisconsin's about to last I heard Wisconsin's going to have no choice but to decertify their results because they already it's already been said long ago that Wisconsin had more votes than they had live voters so they hmm. and and somebody else came out and said that uh, somebody registered their dog to vote. So you got dogs, cats, and dead people voting. Yep. And, and that's why, 
that's why we got to look at that stuff, you know, here across the country, but, you know, here in home state of Idaho, where I live, you know, of, you know, what can we do? Do we need to get rid of absentee ballot ballots? Do we need to, you know, I think we need to put some very specific parameters on how that's done and limit it greatly. And also looking at our voter rolls and should those things be purged, um, you know, every year or, you know, what's the best way to go about for making sure that we have safe and secure elections? You know, should we have mandatory random audits of counties after every election that, you know, three or four counties um, after every election randomly are chosen for an audit? So that way we can, you know, be sure that our elections here in Idaho are safe and secure. And those are things I think we should be doing across the country that it matters, you know, of see what the irregularities are, see if there's cheating going on and try to find those things of, you know, whether our guy wins or loses, we should all have the confidence in our uh, election system. Well, see, I really questioned some of my, my votes in previous elections before moving back to Idaho. I, I voted in Nevada in 2004. Of course, I voted for Bush, and I don't think uh, that really mattered because Bush won Nevada that year. But then, uh, you know, that was, that was in Reno. I was still in, in Reno. And then uh, 2008 is when I first moved to Vegas, and I wasn't even established yet, yet uh, the Acorn uh, company, uh, you know, and a representative approached me and asked me if I was registered to vote, you know, and I didn't even need Nevada state ID, which I thought was weird. Um, I, I'd only lived in Vegas for two weeks and yet I was eligible to, to register to vote. I didn't, I didn't have proof of residency or nothing. So you got to think if somebody lives in, let's say somebody lives nearby Los Angeles, wake up in the morning, they're going to go cast their vote. Then uh, I'm going to go to Vegas and gamble a little bit, and I'm going to cast my vote again, you know. Yep. And um, you know, so I mean, yeah, I registered to vote that that year. I voted uh, for McCain, obviously, but I'm wondering if it got switched over to Obama, because a lot of those electronic each three times that I voted in the state of Nevada, it was on on some kind of computer, you know, and then. Um, 2012 was really weird because I needed, I lived in a different part of, of town that time. And when um, some, that another representative from the Acorn had approached me, I said, yeah, I actually have a different address. I, ne I need to re-register. And then saw that uh, I, I marked down myself down as a Republican and then I go to, to my local precinct, I, I found out that they didn't even register uh, my, my registration, and I, I had to, they're trying to tell me that I had to go to my original precinct to, to vote, which was, which was like, an, through traffic, an hour away. And uh, I'm like, oh, wow. So, you know, I called, made a few complaints, if I, and I got to vote at my local district, but I could only vote for national stuff, I couldn't vote in anything local. So, yeah. so yeah, so any, any Vegas or Nevada stuff, I couldn't vote just president and, and anything else in the United States. So, yeah. you know, but I'm still wondering there, since I voted for Romney, did it get switched over to Obama? A lot of people that voted, uh, whether, whether they voted for 
uh, Trump, whether they voted for one of Kanye West or whoever, it a lot of them got switched over to, to Biden on those machines. It's, you know, and I agree with Mike Lindell. It's time to go back. I don't care. Double up, triple up, quadruple up your manpower and and do votes on paper. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I encourage people. So um, I did that this last presidential election is I actually volunteered and worked at the polls for actually a, a week solid. And I mean, like it was kind of a pain because of trying to work that around my normal job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I gleaned so much from, hey, how do our elections actually happen? Um, you know, working the polls, working at the county elections office, looking at absentee ballots and seeing how all those things are happening. And there was there was multiple things that I'm like, hey, why are we doing it this way? This doesn't seem quite kosher. Can somebody explain this to me? And, you know, because there was a lot of issues on, you know, poll watching and stuff like that. And so I encourage everybody, like, if you can swing it whatsoever, go work the polls during the election. Learn Learn about it. And that's the best way to keep tabs in my mind of, hey, what's actually happening on the day of the election, um, you know, be involved in how the counting is happening, how the votes are being done, and what's the process for registering people and verifying identities and things of that nature. So, yeah, I highly encourage people to do that. I mean, it, it raises great concern because, um, you know, there's so many people predicting a huge red wave going to hit the going to hit the United States, but. You know, it's tough to be sure on that after this last election. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you know if if they're preparing the machines for that, if there is uh, nefarious things happening, then they're ready for that to happen. So how can we? I think that's why these investigations and audits are extremely important. Of you know, what is the truth? You know, how much was how much um, you know integrity did we have or did we not have? And what can we do to fix it before the next election, before upcoming elections? That That's why audits are extremely important. But you have all these groups and politicians fighting against it of, oh, we don't need to do that. It's, it's a waste of taxpayer money, this, that, or the other thing. It's like, is it a waste of taxpayer money? You know, I'm sure they can find a way to waste money while doing it. But we need to be auditing our elections continually to make sure that, you know, there's no Chinese interference, Russian interference, um, are, that the Democrats aren't interfering, that the Republicans aren't interfering, that anybody, we need to make sure that we have safe and secure elections and that we're holding everybody accountable, whether they're on the left or the right or a different country. And, you know, the state in the state of New York, you don't need, you don't need ID to vote. You live here. Yep. Here's your ballot. Step, step in and vote. You know, whereas as you know, here in Idaho and Florida and, I think most states you got to show ID, but of course they're they're trying to make that look racist. Yeah, and and in my mind, and many people that I know, that how racist is it that that you think that they can't get IDs that because of a person has a different skin pigment color that they can't figure out how to get an ID? No, they know how to get an ID. Are you know are these? People driving, people going to the liquor store, people buying cigarettes, people buying, you know, whatever that you have to have an ID for. The rest of your life, you have to have an ID for. But all of a sudden, you know, with your COVID vaccine card, you had to have an ID. And that wasn't racist. But all of a sudden, when we go to vote, that if I require an ID, that it's all of a sudden racist. But isn't it also kind of interesting how 
certain immigrants, certain people, um, you know, they're, from what I understand, uh, this is rumored, I, I can't uh, verify this is true or not, but say that Cubans and Venezuelans are pretty much not allowed to register to vote. Uh, they're pretty much denying Cubans and Venezuelans, they're denying them access into the country while you got people from other countries, you know, in parts of Mexico and South America and whoever else is mingling in with them. They're being let right on in, and and obviously they're gonna, they're being promised something by the Democrats, and so they'll vote Democrats. While you have people from Cuba and Venezuela who know everything there is to know about communism and socialism and all that bullshit, and it's like, oh no, you can't come here, you can't vote here, you can't live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a problem that has so many layers to it and that have there's so many issues you know like with the southern border and what different you know how was the influx of people coming up how is that affecting our elections also how is that affecting our security as a nation 15 it was probably about 15 years ago now i was having a conversation uh with some uh homeland security individuals that they were talking about that we don't truly know 15 years ago who was coming across the border and that there was a lot of concern that members of Al-Qaeda and things like that, that terrorists were coming up through our southern border. And they're like, you know, we don't know where they're at. We don't know who's coming, who's not coming. And, you know, that's some of the intel that they were getting at the time of, you know, having sleeper cells and things like that, that the potential for harm to be done years in the future um, was great. You know, that that brings up something interesting. I'm going to play an audio clip here. This is from the movie Red Dawn from 1984, not that cheesy remake in 2012. The good one. Yes. The, but listen to this. This was the conversation between Patrick Swayze and uh, and Powers Booth. So let's take a, take a moment to listen. West Coast. East Coast. Down here is Mexico. First wave of the attack came in disguised as commercial charter flights, same way they did in Afghanistan in 80. Only they were crack airborne outfits. Now they took these passes into Rockies. So that's what hit Calumet? I guess so. They coordinated with selective nuke strikes, and the missiles were a hell of a lot more accurate than we thought. They took out the silos here in the Dakotas, key points of communication. Like what? Oh, like Omaha, Washington, Kansas City. Gone? Yeah, that's right. Filtrators came up illegal from Mexico. Cubans, mostly. They managed to infiltrate SAC bases in the Midwest, several down in Texas, and wreaked a hell of a lot of havoc, I'm here to tell you. They opened up the door down here, and the whole Cuban and Nicaraguan armies come walking right through, roll right up here through the Great Plains. So listening to that alone, I mean, if that's, I'm starting to wonder if uh, Red Dawn and 1984 were stories, instruction manuals, or warnings. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of shirts lately that say, uh, make 1984 fiction again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's all, it's, it's almost prophetic. It's kind of weird. I mean, uh, look at how we're, we're leaving the bo the borders wide open. Well, Biden is, we aren't, you know, and 
and uh, of course, somebody who's on a horse who appears to be whipping somebody, or at least, you know, Biden's and instructing the mainstream media and all them to uh, make make sure that that looks like it's something so severe. And so, oh, those poor people, you know, and it's something making it look like it's something that it's not. Well, even the photographer on that came out and said, no, he was not whipping that guy. That's not what was happening whatsoever. Oh, yes, he was. Oh, yes, he was. I'm sorry. Get the fuck out of here with that. It pisses me off. I'm sorry. But part of the like part of the problem is that if so, you take the southern border for example. Let's say that tomorrow we fix that uh, that issue and we get that under control. Then how much money is no longer flowing? There's so many people making money off of having the border crisis that we have that it will never be fixed. There's a lot of problems that we have across this country that will never be fixed because there's so much money to be made in that. You know, look at military industrial complex and all the money that's made in wars, that we're going to continue to be in wars until we're able to stop this because there's so many people making so much money that are in power that it benefits them to create conflicts, to blow conflicts out of proportion, to start conflicts. Yes. And it's very unfortunate. You, you know, when we look at... Uh, Trump's four years in office. Yeah, we had the one little incident in Iran, but other than that, we didn't go to war. I mean, as much as I love Ronald Reagan, we went to war. Bush, we went to war. Clinton, we went to war. Bush Jr., we went to war. Yep. Uh, Obama, we went to war. Uh, Trump, we didn't go to war, and our con economy was up on the rise, and gas prices were lower. Now here we go with the the worst president ever that I've seen in my whole life. And well, give him some time. He's only halfway done. So uh, hey, he's well. he's done enough to give me to give me that uh, impression. Uh, anyway, I hate to say it, Mike, but we are out of time. Got to hit our music set. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and uh, plug your uh, website and once again how people can uh, help you out with your campaign. Um, uh, first off, I appreciate you having me on again. It's always a pleasure. Um, but millerforidaho.com, uh, check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Getter. But the biggest thing we're trying to reach 50,000 people here in the Caldwell area. So if you love freedom, you love Liberty, uh, consider a $5 donation. You know, we're not looking at for any big, huge donors, or anything like that, but, um, yeah, check it out. Hopefully I align with, I think, you and I align pretty well, and I imagine with a lot of your viewers, we align well. So, yeah, check that out. I'd super appreciate it. <laughs> yes, I mean, support Mike, support Kayla, and, and uh, if you love your freedom, of course, if you if you you love your way of life and, and you don't want it changed, you're elsewhere, you know, support, some, support somebody who you know is going to support your freedom and not suppress it. 100%. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. And, uh, you know, this ain't the last time we'll be talking soon before May 17th. Awesome. Awesome. And there you have the conversation with Mike Miller. With that said, it is time to go to the first music set. Coming up, we have Scam Dust, going to be followed by a new track by Dan Petlansky, Morgan Wade, Reason to Fine, and New Breed and Jesse Howard. Be right back after this.
This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? DJ Your lies, rose eyes, 
talking to the soldiers that stood up for something instead of all these punk thugs that's no good for nothing. All these sissy ass crybabies that wanna play the victim, they just do it for attention. Better pull up your damn britches, boy. I ain't saying that I'm perfect, but I refuse to be worthless, so I choose to keep on working on myself as a better person. And you're the type that'll talk bigger. Big shot with a soft chin. Oh, fuck, boy, better calm down when you're talking with some grown men. You're the type that got loose lips. You show a gun, but don't shoot shit. You ain't hard, but don't do shit. Fuck you and your crew, bitch. You're the type that'll go to jail and call your girl a raisin hell. Talking about unique canteen. Tell that dude to go fuck yourself. Especially what he did to you. For that bullshit that he put you through. Lying, cheating, put his hands on you. Fuck that dude, you too damn cute. Don't waste your time on a fuck, boy. Don't spend a dime on a fuck, boy. Don't sit and cry for a fuck. Boy, never ride or die for it. Fuck boy, this is for my soldiers. I'm showing love and all them good old boys raised on shotguns in the backwoods by the rivers and the creeks. Man, we practice what we preach. We the last of a dying breed. This is for my soldiers. I'm showing love and all them good old boys raised on shotguns in the backwoods by the rivers and the creeks. Man, we practice what we preach. We the last of a dying breed. We the last of a dying breed. I'm the type that don't speak a lot Don't ask for much and don't need a lot These pussy boys, they everywhere God damn, but I've seen a lot They call the cops every chance they get They want to the smoke but can't handle it You call the cops on me, boy Better tell them to bring an ambulance Cause I'm the type that'll handle mine If you want some too, better stand in line I've been ready for that bloodshed I'm a bloodhound from the Florida pine I'ma tell you once, you pussy boy I don't fuck around, you better know this Come to my house without a doubt I'ma hit the out this whole clip Or if I'm buying groceries And you fuck boys try to approach me And I got my kids with me you better act like you don't know me Just walk on by slowly, might Turn me back to the old me When nobody could control me I don't never call the police I do not play that bullshit If I say shit, then I do shit Might fuck around and go stupid On you fuck boys and lose it Don't waste your time on a fuck boy Don't spend a dime on a fuck boy Don't sit and cry for a fuck boy Never ride or die for a fuck boy This is for my soldiers I'm showing love and all them good old boys Raised on shotguns In the backwoods by the rivers and the Man, we practice what we preach. We the last of a dying breed. For my soldiers, I'm showing love and all them good old boys raised on shotguns in the backwoods by the rivers and the creeks. Man, we practice what we preach. We the last of a dying breed. We the last of a dying breed. Yeah, yeah. We the last of a Man, you can't support shit, you about as sorry as it gets You got a pocket full of dope, you need your fucking ass whipped You better feed them damn kids and quit taking all them pills Better find your ass a gig and try to catch up on them bills And if your girl do the same shit, she lame as fuck too But you the man of the house, so I still blame you Don't waste your time on a fuck boy Don't spend a dime on a fuck boy Don't sit and cry for a fuck boy Never ride or die for a fuck boy Don't waste your time on a fuck boy Don't spend a dime on a fuck boy Don't sit and cry for a fuck boy Never ride or die for a fuck boy (laughs) Yeah man, we the last of a dying breed, baby Come on, come on this is for my soldiers, I'm showing love and all them good old boys raised on shotguns in the backwoods by the rivers and the creeks. Man, we practice what we preach, we the last of a dying breed. This is for my soldiers, I'm showing love and all them good old boys raised on shotguns.
guns in the backwoods by the rivers and the creeks. Man, we practice what we preach. We the last of a dying breed. We the last of a dying breed. There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, hunter athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with MyPillow. Mike Lindell supports America, and we support Mike, but sadly, him and his company have been victimized by this cancel culture. But that's not going to stop Mike from making sure you get the best sleep possible, and now is the time to take advantage of those savings. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section, click on the MyPillow banner, and start your online shopping. Be sure to use the promo code OUTLAW and get up to 66% off your purchase. And if you act right now, you can get our standard My Pillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98. These pillows are made right here in the USA and are washable. 
So again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section. Click on the My Pillow banner and start your online shopping. But remember to use that promo code OUTLAW to take advantage of those savings. Or you can place your order by calling 1-800-652-3982. And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen, IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray products. From the Ultra 10,000 nanograms package to the Platinum 300,000 nanograms package. They're also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit Key keys2life.shop that's k-e-y-s the number two life.shop IGF-1 plus deer antler velvet supplements from Neutronics Labs making men men again yo baby you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat you're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard New Breed and Jesse Howard with Last of a Drying Breed. Before that, Reason to Find with Lock and Key. Before that, Morgan Wade with Reckless. Prior to that, brand new one from Dan Petlansky with Soul Parasite. And starting off the whole set, Scam Dust with Rap Metal King. All right, moving along in just a little bit, uh, it'll be time for an AOW classic with the Emmett Eliminator, Kenny Keen, recorded back in 2011. Before I get to that, it is time to reveal the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Frank Abroqua, a New York man. <laughs> who's uh, he's been arrested over two dozen times in the last what five years or so well allegedly he is uh, charged with smearing feces on people wow uh sounds like you need to take this guy and lock him up in a mental institution <laughs> no normal person does something like that All right, enough on that. It is time for the Outlaw Radio AOW Classic with local Idaho legend, the Emmett Eliminator, Kenny Keene. Here we go. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions, this is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. I want to introduce the Emmett Eliminator, Kenny Keene from Emmett, Idaho. How you doing, Kenny? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's great to have you here. I mean, it's it's a big honor to have you here. 
got to tell you, I've been watching you since uh, the first fight I watched. Uh, I was uh, 17 when I I noticed you, and uh, you just put away a Canadian and uh, uh, Danny Stonewalker, I think was his name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you just you did put him away past. I remember he was talking a lot of trash a little bit to the local media. But we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, my first question, Kenny, is uh, what uh, what got you involved in boxing to begin with? What were your uh, early early on uh, inspirations? What made you want to do it? Well, I had an older brother who did it. But really, my dad just kind of made me do it. You know, when me and my brother both got about 14 years old. We had the box. Okay. Yeah, and my my older brother was a pro. He had about nine fights, but he just didn't have the, the desire like I had. I wasn't as good as him, but just more determined. Okay. So you said your dad made you do it. Was it something you didn't want to do and then fell in love with what you didn't like to begin with? No, I wanted to do it, you know, but I think, uh, you know, every athlete, you need a dad or somebody really pushing you because I definitely would have quit if I wouldn't have my dad. Oh, okay. That's quite understandable. And uh, growing up, uh, being in high school, whatever, uh, were you involved in any other sports as well? Played a little football, but boxing was my main gig. Okay, and, and uh, now see, me being from Horseshoe Bend, of course, I know Emmett's not that far away, and uh, Emmett has a lot more now than what it used to have. That much I do know. I think they put up a Walmart there last I checked. I don't know, but... Yes. Yes, but uh, back in the day, you know, Emmett was just another... Uh, pretty much, I can't even say Emmett was a town. Emmett was a village, just like Horseshoe Bend, where I'm from. <laughs> Just, just a little sawmill town. Exactly, exactly. You know, so you, we both know what we're talking about when we talk about small Idaho towns and Boise being the nearest big city, and Boise wasn't even that big at the time. No. But, uh, so, so uh, was there like a, was there like a boxing gym uh, back then in the Emmett area, or, or did you uh, train in Boise, or how did that work out for you? Actually, I had to train in Boise, and, you know, like I said, my dad was the guy pushing me to do it, and he'd drive me over there every night to work out, you know, and uh, he just kept pushing me along, you know, and uh, that is how I got got good, you know. There were times when I wanted to quit, I wish I would have quit, and the old man just kept putting me back in. Because, uh, you know, I wasn't real, you know, I just got by in school, and he always told me, if you're not going to be good in school, you need identity, and that's what I got. Oh, most you most definitely did for sure. Um, now, when did when did you start your uh, amateur? How old were you when you started as an amateur? Started when I was 14. My first year, I was uh, one and nine, and. You know, I wasn't really the greatest trainer, and I got beat. I got stopped a lot. It was kind of a new thing for me. And I just told my dad, I ain't going to make it at this. And so he just kept pushing me. Finally, next year, I went back and started training. I won the National Junior Olympics then. Okay. That was going to be my next question, if you won any titles like that or any Golden Gloves. or Golden Gloves, I was 
two-time runner-up. I never got the big prize there. And, you know, in the ABF tournament, same thing. Yes. And then I see, I'm looking at your record right now on uh, boxrec.com, and I, with mixed martial arts, the two uh, main uh, websites I have records, they're not that accurate, unfortunately, when I talk to other fighters, so I'll, I'd better check with you. This uh, this website says that your record is 51-4 and four with uh, 28 knockouts. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so it is accurate. Yeah, uh, that, that's up to date. Uh, and then you uh, made your pro debut back in uh, 1990 against, uh, I guess, uh, Ray, I can't pronounce his last name. Echo. Okay. Echo. And uh, you... What was that? You won by a unanimous decision on that note? Yes. Okay. And I do I do have to ask you, you went undefeated for a long time, and uh, it surprised me when you tell me in your amateur career you were stopped a lot because there's one thing I do know about you. When you, were, when you stepped in that ring, uh, you had a cast iron jaw. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know the amateurs. The first year I got stopped a, couple, a few times, you know, but yeah. they weren't really solid knockouts or nothing. But as the years grew, went by, and I got a little better and stronger, you know, I learned how to handle myself. Yeah. Your second fight, but once again, about a month later, back in 1990. You fought Dan Ross, and you knocked him out in the second round. And I've I've got to ask you, is how did that? Uh, what what kind of feeling did you get when when you got that knockout? Oh, it was great, you know, and it was so funny because a lot of people, when they look at fighters, you know, they always judge them how big they are, how big their muscles are. Danny Ross, a very muscular guy. And a lot of people just thought he's going to wipe me out. You know, I've had the people just say, man, that guy's just built so big. And I took him out in a couple of rounds. Yeah. And uh, then you fought him. Or no, you. It looks right here you fought a fellow by the name of uh, Sean Jewell twice. And twice he he fell, fell down by a knockout to you. I mean, uh, so. Uh, what, did he want an immediate rematch with you and, and want to set it up, or how did that happen? Well, the, the first time we fought, you know, I stopped him, and he felt like the fight shouldn't have been stopped, and so I said, all right, let's do it again, and we did, and I put him out this time. Yeah. And your first few fights were, wow, you even had some fights there in Emmett. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Remember the Cherry Festival? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's where it was at during the Cherry Festival. That's, I don't remember what year it was, Kenny, but that was the year I met you face-to-face and got to shake your hand, but I never got an autograph, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I'll send you one if you want one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And the first time you got to travel outside of the state of Idaho was, it looks like it was in Bozeman, Montana. And once again, you went over there against uh, Steve Earls and just cleaned house. Yeah, that, that, that was my first time fighting on ESPN. I have a friend of Montana, Todd Foster, and I was fighting on his undercard. And, uh, yeah, it was a great exposure fighting that fight. 
And then your next few fights uh, after that were right here in the, in the state of Nevada. You had a few in Reno, but uh, I do have to ask you, what was it like when you made the stage here in Vegas for the first time against uh, Willie Jake? It was awesome. I love Vegas, you know. Like they always say, there's no town like it. And, you know, a little Idaho boy, you're kind of blown away up there, you know. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. I love going to Vegas. Now, I do have to ask you, were there any jitters for you before the fight started making a stage that big? Every one, every fight. I was very nervous. And uh, the last one, you know, you're just always, I never went away. But I think that's a good thing to be nervous, because if you're not nervous, I think there's something wrong with you. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Um, but uh, do, do you think there was added pressure being in Vegas, or was it just the same as uh, when you were in Idaho? Actually, it was less, because it seemed like when I fought here in Idaho, you know, the show was on, I was the show, you know, everybody, all eyes on me, you know, and when I was down there, I just on the undercards, and you know how that is, everybody's just kind of waiting for the main event, but when I fought up here in Idaho, I was the main event. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too, because you do not want to lose in front of your fans. Um then the fight I mentioned earlier, the first one I saw you against uh, Danny Stonewalker, and I just remember he was on Channel 6 or Channel 2 or whatever, and he was, I mean, he wasn't, uh, you know, like talking trash like uh, Josh Koscheck of the UFC, but uh, still he was talking enough to make the people in Idaho dislike him, and uh, you gave them a show that, and gave him a lesson he won't forget. You know, let's talk about that fight a bit. Yeah, you know, Danny Stonewalker, he'd been around quite a bit, and, you know, it's just part of the game. You know, we're all talking a little bit, trying to sell a few tickets. Sometimes you take it personal, sometimes you don't. But, you know, um, the thing with me, I never really looked like a fighter. I wasn't a very intimidating person, you know. And I think a lot of times when these guys got there and they see me, you know, it looked like they walked right through me. That's what they thought, you know, because I'm not a real intimidating person. I think I was described once. I look like a shoe salesman or something, you know, so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when, once the bell rang, it was a little different story. Oh, it's always a different story once that bell rings. On me having uh, boxed a couple of times myself, I remember, you know, there was Everything changed once that bell rang, even the nervousness. Uh, it just clicked in. I was ready to fight right there once uh -huh. that bell rang. So, and speaking of which, too, I'd, I remember uh, you also, I was going to college in Twin Falls. And uh, you were a couple of times the special guest at the uh, College of Southern Idaho Boxing Smoker. Do you st still attend that once in a while? No, they don't invite me down that anymore. I'd love to go down there. And, I mean... That was such an amazing event. I mean, was there about three or four thousand people at them things? Yeah, exactly. Um, that, and that does remind me. One question I had for you too is: uh, Have you ever fought in tough man style competition like that with sixteen ounce gloves and one minute rounds, or was it all just just uh, you know two minute rounds or more? No, I wish I could have. <laughs> you know, but no, but I think once you have a little boxing experience, I don't think you can, you're able to do the tough man. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're Butterbean. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I want to talk about the first time uh, you had your title shot against Bobby Crabtree was in Caldwell. I, I think that's right. That was your first title shot. Yes. And uh, let's I want, let's talk about that experience. So you knocked him out in the fourth round out, out of twelve, and uh, fighting for a world title in Caldwell, Idaho. Once again, I once again going back to the jitters. Was there even more pressure for on you because uh, you're fighting for a title this time? Aside from the fact you're fighting in front of your home crowd. Yeah, you know, and there's a, even that fight, there was a lot of pressure, but every fight was because I had a lot of critics out there, and you know that just one loss would have sunk me. You know, and um, fought Bobby that night, and actually got dropped in the first round. You know, oh, that was that. Uh, aside and I got up and stopped him in the fourth. Now, aside, Bobby from- could punch pretty good. You know, and he was southpaw. Oh, okay. Now, aside from your uh, uh, amateur fights, was that the first time you had been knocked down in a bout, or were you knocked down? As a pro, as a pro, it was the first time I was down. Okay, and according to your record, you fought Bobby Crabtree three times, once in Caldwell and two times in Arkansas. And it looks like Bobby Crabtree was also the first man to hand you your loss. And uh, and thank God it wasn't in front of the Idaho crowd. But still, uh, how did what, how did that feel uh, the first time you lost? Uh, did, did it sink you a little bit, and then you were back on a mission? Or actually, um, it wasn't that bad, you know, because. I mean, here I am in his hometown, and here the people are all booing the decision. I mean, I, you know, I like Bobby. We're friends and everything, but, you know, I beat him 10 out of 12 rounds, and he still got the decision. But, uh, you know, I knew I had to go back, and I eventually got a rematch, and I went back there and knocked him out. I mean, I put Bobby out and still tried to prove that, you know, that the second fight was was a fluke, you know. Uh, okay. And um, also, uh, i got to ask about this fight. It looks like the only one on your record against uh, Robert Foley. He, he lost by uh, DQ. What happened in that fight? Huh. Uh, Robert Foley was a tough guy, but uh, he, uh, I can't remember why he got disqualified. He was always screaming dirty words. I mean, he punched me after the bell like three or four times. I can't really remember why he got disqualified. But I was really disappointed in that fight, the way he acted, you know. I think he just got his emotions, got too high. The crowd got to him, and you know, because he was getting beaten, he didn't like it. So basically, is the story of the sore loser, more or less. I very, very, very sore lose. You know, I love to talk to him because his father was Zora Foley, you know, a great fighter back in the 60s, you know. So I remember him. Yeah, but uh, we didn't really talk after the fight. The one fight that I saw on uh, CBS uh, that took place back in Indianapolis, and I uh, can't remember his name. As I'm Terry still... Ray. Yes, there you go. And I, I just remember that was 
Oh no, some people said that that fight for you was like your baptism in fire, pretty much. Would you agree? Oh yeah, it was, a, it was an awesome fight. You know, it was the fight of the year, and on CBS, it was a great fight, you know, and, and uh, it was awesome. Now, that was the first time I saw you ever take any real significant significant damage in that fight. Uh, you had a pretty good bloody nose. Did he break your nose in that fight? Probably. I don't know. You know, my nose got broke so many times. You know, I, I don't know which one's broke it or what. <laughs> but, you know, it was a great fight. We both were cut up. Just a classic good old brawl, you know. Yeah. And that, well, that brings up one question, too. Um, with your fighting style, uh, do you think uh, you were more of a slugger like Rocky Marciano, or were you more of a boxer like Muhammad Ali? What, how would you rate your style? Well, I was I was really neither, you know, because people always ask me what was your best. I, I think that's what really made me, I thought, st stick out as a fighter because I really wasn't a fighter. I just got in there and did what I did. And, and one, I wasn't a big heavy puncher, you know, or quick or fast or tall. I was short and just kind of a blown-up light heavyweight. But, uh, you know, I, whatever I did, I got in there. I had a strong desire to win. That's what got me by. I'll tell you one fight. If uh, I was in the ring fighting this guy and the way you were beating on Rocky Gannon back in 1998, I was... Uh, I was just thinking, uh, wow, what what does Kenny have to do to stop this guy? He wasn't going to beat you, obviously, but he he was just taking punishment from you. Did it uh, ever occur to you during that fight, wow, what do I have to do to stop this guy? Oh, no, I always knew Rocky, Rocky's a tough guy. He's a good guy. I really like Rocky, and that was the way he fought. He took a lot of punishment, and it was probably one of the bloodiest fights I was in up here in Idaho, and... Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, he obviously cut very, very easily. Had paper thin skin, and it was a good way, you know, for a classic boxer like Muhammad Ali would have definitely would have beat him that way. I think. Um, yeah, you know, that was a good fight though, too. Oh, it was. It was. I I won't argue that. And then. Uh, your uh, comeback fight from uh, retirement against Tony Menifee. Uh, did you even break a sweat in that fight? No, really. I, I wish all my fights would have been like that. You know, and, and that was such a great thing, you know. I retired from boxing, and, you know, people just don't understand what it's like to be a fighter, you know, and you're up there and you got the identity and and just everybody's around. You're just like a rock star, you know. Absolutely. And you get out of it, and it all goes away. Then, you know, uh, so you always want to go back. So I went back when I used to fight this place called Quest Arena, and it yeah. was the biggest indoor event they ever had. They had the most people. I forgot, like seven thousand or something there. Yeah, I was at I was at uh, one of the uh, MMA events three years ago at Quest Arena, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's Quest Arena. It used to be Bank of America Center. Exactly. Yeah. And then, we, we, you know, we, there wasn't a seat in the house. Cops had to direct traffic. It was a great night. Isn't that where the uh, Steelheads played, too? Yes. I, I believe so, yeah. 
Yeah, you seems like uh, you've covered a lot of venues where other sporting events take place. Like you've uh, you fought at uh, Hawks Stadium, where the that's for those that are listening, that's Boise's minor league team uh, for baseball. And then, uh, of course, uh, the Idaho Steelheads are uh, Boise's hockey team. I, they're not in the uh, NHL. I forget which hockey league they're in, but that's where they play. <laughs> I don't follow any other sports besides combat sports very well. So. All right, I'm with you there too. Yeah, no. you know it was great. It was great to be here in Idaho, you know, because you know, not since about probably George Logan has there been a real good fighter coming up, rank fighter. Absolutely. I drew the crowds. And then that uh, a year later. Uh, people criticized you, I remember, for your fight against uh, Ray Berry. I watched that fight, and it, it, you two did uh, go back and forth in that fight, and they gave you the decision. But what what do you have to say to those that uh, gave you, just gave you the decision that you really didn't deserve it? I thought you did. So, uh, Of course, I did too. But, you know, Ray Berry, very good fighter, slick, and great shape, you know, and just... But he was a style that didn't mesh with my style, and just people weren't used to that kind of fight. Yeah. In uh, your very last fight uh, as a professional, you fought Arthur Williams, and that's the only time you you were stopped, right? Yes. Yeah, well, if you don't mind me asking, what happened in that fight? Well, you know, it started out good, and... Uh, I just kind of, Arthur broke my ribs, and I just faded out, and he just caught me, and that was it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it was one of them deals where I'm in the fight, and I just know, you know, I really, my last three or four fights, I just knew, you know, I didn't really have much left anyway. My skill, whatever I had was gone. But not, because Arthur, you know, he's been through wars and everything himself. But, you know, even at his, at my best, I don't know if I could beat Arthur. He, his style was all wrong for me. Well, I, I'm pretty sure at your best and your prime, uh, I'm, I don't know, I, I haven't seen him fight, but uh, I don't think there's any cruiserweight or heavyweight that you couldn't beat, to be honest with you. Um, let's bring, I want to ask you this question uh, before we go into a few other details. You and your prime at your very best, and if you were to go up against any one of the greats, Marciano, Dempsey, Ali, Holyfield, Tyson, any of those guys, who would you think you'd like to fight? Uh, man, they're all good fighters. I don't think I'd like to fight any of them. <laughs> they were all good fighters. But, you know, that was the thing with me. You know, I'm not saying I can beat a lot of, uh, I can beat everybody, but there are a lot of people I could beat. And they didn't think I could be, you know. But the one thing, I'd fight anybody I could. Absolutely. And uh, I do have to ask you this. I don't know how how uh, high your interest in MMA is, but if it was around uh, around the time when you were in your prime, do you think you would have gave it a shot? No, I don't like getting choked. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, I hate when people choke choke me. <laughs> so I take it then you have you have you uh, d- done a little training in MMA just to see what it was like and and g- got caught in a choke or an armbar. Uh, 
No, I just, you know, I just never, I was in wrestling a little bit, and I just never liked it when they got around my neck and started cutting my wind off, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I do, now, you're retired from boxing. Um, do you have a stable of fighters that you're training now? You got some up-and-comers that uh, we need to watch? I, I got a little amateur gym, you know, we kind of, I just fool around with it and take kids out and fight a little bit. Hit right here in Emmett so they don't have to drive to Boise. You know, I have, I have a lot of fun, but, you know, I've just kind of moved on from boxing, you know, because I really, uh, to do it, you have to make it your life. And I think once I got beat and I retired for good, I think I was ready just to move on. I understand that. But, yeah. but it was such an awesome event, part of my life, and it was so awesome. It was so hard to get away from. You know, it's it's like I talked about the identity. You know, people everywhere used to know me. You know, and that fades fast. You know, and it, you know, it's like you got to reinvent yourself. You know, but it, whatever you do doesn't match what you did when you was fighting. Absolutely. Um, now there was a, another fighter I hope to get on the show sometime in Cleveland Quarter and. Uh, I never did see very much of him, his fights, but uh, have you ever had, got the privilege of training with him or helping him out at all? Me and Cleveland used to work out quite a bit, and, you know, we were totally different styles, and he came up a little bit right when I was going out, you know, when he turned pro. Okay. So basically, you know, I remember he said on the news that uh, he wanted to go go farther than you, you know, he'll never replace you because there's never ever going to be another Kenny Keene, and I'll agree with that, but uh, what did you think of that statement when he said that? Oh, that, that was nice, you know, but you know what, I, I really hope there is, I really hope there's somebody that does a lot better than I did, but you know, boxing's in a weird state right now, you know, because you got the MMA, yeah. everybody's into that, you know, just boxing's kind of on the back burner to that. But boxing will always be around, and I'll I'll be the first to admit, you know, to you that yeah, MMA is uh, indeed my favorite sport. You know, I mean, basically, uh, as I said, another when uh, Arizona interviewed me, I said the sport of MMA and, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu have have saved my life basically when I was in a when I was in a bad state of mind and all that, and uh, but I've always been a fan of boxing. I mean watching uh, Rocky when I was a kid, you know, doing a little boxing myself. What's that? I love that movie, Rocky. Absolutely. Not really just the fight, not the fighting part, but just the acting. I thought it was the greatest thing, you know, going on, you know. Now, that was, I already asked you who you you think you'd want to fight out of the greats, but uh, I meant to ask you this early on in the interview. Um, who did you uh, look up to as as far as the, the greats in boxing? Who did you like to watch? I used to I used to love to watch all of them, Robinson, you know, and all of them guys. I wasn't a big Ali fan, you know. I liked Joe Frazier, and when I was fighting, I I thought the best fighter out there was Roy Jones. I thought he was probably one of the tops. 
Well, yeah, this brings up one other question, too, especially since you're bringing up Roy Jones Jr. and you as a fighter, you know, you were in the, the cruiserweight division, um, the light heavyweight division. Um, did you ever have to cut weight for a fight? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd have to cut weight, but not like some of these guys. You know, I just usually cut about 10 pounds off. Yep. Now, um, it, since you were a cruiserweight, this is what I've got to ask you also. In MMA, the uh, the gap between heavyweight and light heavyweight is from 205 to 265. Would you agree that that's way too much and they need to put a cruiserweight division in there? Yeah, definitely. You know, these guys are so much bigger anymore. I mean, yeah, you got Brock Lesnar. That's, that's a different sport, though. I've watched a little of it, you know, because there's a lot of small guys take the big guys out, you know. And then Brock Lesnar has to cut to make 205, and he he hasn't been taken out by by any small guy. The last guy he fought was smaller, but still was a heavyweight. Right. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, up here in Boise, I mean, it was a rock and roll atmosphere when I fought. And it was a great thing growing up here. You know, I grew up with my friend, David Ellsbury. We, we've known each other since I was six years old. Then, he, then I talked him into becoming my promoter. He promoted my fights and everything right now. Right now, I just want you to say hello to him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I give him a shout out there. That's great. Hey there. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> and uh, now you're, uh, just want to let our listeners know, now you work as a bondsman. I just got to ask you, how did that come about? Well, you know, I, you get out there, and I just figured I had to capitalize on my name, so I got doing the bell bond biz and everything. But, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I do quite a few things. I'm going to do drug testing. You know, Bell Bonds, and I work at the psych ward. Okay. Yeah. So does this also mean you, you also get to be a bounty hunter at times if somebody jumps bail? or Every so often. But, you know, I'm in a small town, so I kind of know everybody knows everybody. Just like Horse You Bend, we, I know what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Too bad you couldn't have set up a ring there. I think Horse You Bend would be a great Well, they got a little gym up there now. Yeah, that little club gone for a while. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, any one one more question I have to ask you is, uh, you know, you stated a little bit, but uh, where do you think the state of professional boxing is today, uh, and the and the competition level? Do you think the competition level was tougher when you fought, or is it just as tough as it ever has been? Oh, I, I think it's always tough, you know. Just, it's just a different time and different way. Uh, and i uh, got to ask you, what's your opinion on the uh, Klitschko brothers? What do you think of those guys? You know, it's so funny because boxing re- used to, everything revolved around. I'd never miss a fight. You know, and I, I think I've seen them fight maybe once. They're huge. I can't believe they fight big guys like that. But um, I'm going to have you talk to David Ellsbury. He was the promoter, and he will describe the atmosphere, like, for fights and everything. His Absolutely. name is David. Here he is. All righty. Hi, this is David. 
Hello, David. Welcome to the Octagon on my telespace. Oh, hey. <laughs> so, uh, I was just asking Kenny about uh, basically where the the atmosphere of professional boxing is today, the competition, uh, whether he thought it's uh, it was tougher back when he fought or, or before he fought, or is it just as tough as it, as it's, it's ever been? And with MMA in the picture, you know, boxing boxing will never fully fade out, but it's not quite in the limelight like it used to be. Uh, what's your opinion on all that? Yeah, I I think pretty much what you just said is kind of how it is. It's definitely that way around here. You know, back, you know, when Kenny was fighting, obviously Kenny was the only one here in Idaho that could actually pull off a show. There was a few other promoters that tried to bring other fighters up. And, I mean, even, you know, the guy you mentioned before, Cleveland Quarter, they were never able to really put on main events, even with him headlining. Um, Kenny was the only one uh, in the last 20 years that you could put a main event on and actually pull a show off. And uh, since he's been out of the game, there hasn't been any boxing events, really. And uh, MMA has pretty much taken over. Now, um, he says you're you're a promoter, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, as a promoter, do you uh, work strictly boxing, or have you worked with a little uh, some MMA guys as well? No. Yeah, I pretty much just always did boxing, and I I pretty much did it when I originally got involved. It was you know through my relationship with Kenny, we grew up together, and and uh, it was just really a great opportunity. When I first started doing it, it was when Kenny had just originally turned pro and and went through the Ray Pacheco and the Danny Ross and all those fights you guys were talking about. And uh, we just always figured, because during that period, there was a lot of guys, you know, the Bob Arums and the um, Don Kings and all those guys that wanted to put Kenny on their list of fighters. And, you know, Kenny just always did it his way and, you know, obviously afforded us a lot of opportunity here in Idaho. Um, and, And we were afforded to be able or were allowed to afford him to fight here in Idaho and not really have to sell out to those bigger promoters. Yeah. Exactly. Of course, uh, I don't know, Bob Arum's one guy, but I, I don't think I'd want to go anywhere near Don King. No, and I think that you know, Kenny had the same opinion. And, and Bob Arum, you know, they're two peas in a pod, to be honest with you. I mean, you know how, I mean, you've been around boxing probably enough to know that it's a pretty dirty business, and uh, there's, no, there's no love in that business. And that that's the one thing that we were able to have here, you know, having local promoters and, and having a relationship outside of, of business. And, uh, again, it just afforded him a really unique career, and it was really awesome what he accomplished. And I don't think people really honestly understand how big a deal Kenny Keene really was. And uh, I think, obviously, as time goes by, people start to realize more and more because, um, like you said, there, there's not going to be another Kenny Keene. Well, it's just as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm from originally from Horseshoe Bend, Idaho. That's where I grew up. A lot of my listeners will never go there. A lot of my listeners never hear, heard of that, and they're not going to know of it unless they go to the computer and Google it. Right. But Horseshoe Bend has only 750 people and even less in, in my time. Sure. And, um, you know, and I first saw Kenny Keene take on Denny Stonewalker, and, you know, immediately is like I idolized the guy. Yeah. Oh, that was a great fight. I mean, and it's funny, when you mentioned his pro debut, I remember that um, when he fought Ray Pacheco, and it was just, it was surreal. I mean, the, the kid that he fought, that Ray Pacheco, was one tough dude, and Kenny... 
didn't really get really any easy fights. I mean, they put him in there with the Lions to begin with, and that Danny Ross, he was just a huge guy. And I was one of those guys going, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Why fighting that guy? And he went and just – he just totaled him, and uh, it was awesome. And we've always known, you know, we watched Kenny grow up. I grew up with him in school and watched him go through the amateurs and, you know, his, in the beginning of his career and, uh, you know, watched him win a national championship. And, and from that point forward, he was ranked in the top three in his weight division for the next four years as an amateur. Then he turned pro, and uh, that Danny Stonewalker fight was awesome. He was a a Canadian national champion, tough kid, uh, came in here. And like Kenny said, there was a lot of times these guys would get here and they were like, they heard all these things about Kenny, but have never really seen him, you know. Some guys actually saw him on, on tape, but even on tape, you know, they didn't think because he, he, kind of, he was kind of a plotting fighter, didn't move a lot, that kind of thing. And they just thought they'd come in here and walk through him, and they found out different, which was a lot of fun for us. You know, and uh, i got to ask you, with me saying this, I got to ask you how you feel about this. But listening to Kenny's story even more tonight, uh, you know somebody else I looked up to, Rocky Marciano. I mean, what what boxing, what fight fan doesn't? Right, for but, sure. But Kenny's story is very similar to Rocky's. I mean, the the Brockton blockbuster was not really a very big heavyweight. He had an awkward style. You know, and a lot of people, like when he went up against Jersey Joe Walcott, he was a huge underdog. They thought he was going to get thumped. Yeah. Rocky surprised everybody. And Kenny's kind of got the same story a little bit. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, there for the longest time, you know, you talked about the fight with Bobby Crabtree. It, he won, He won what by my count, 11 rounds. He says 10. But, yeah, he just completely dominated the guy. And that, that really kind of changed his career from that day forward simply because at the time he was an unbeaten um, and pretty much unbeatable cruiserweight. Yeah. And um, here's one question I have for both of you. If uh, is if he's listening, yeah, he's still here. <laughs> okay, um, some somebody approaches you and says they want to fight, whether it be boxing, whether it be kickboxing, whether it be MMA, and they they say that to you. What what advice would you give them? They want to be a boxer, but, but any realm of fighting, whether it be MMA, kickboxing, boxing, what would you say? Well. I just tell them, you know, you have to be very dedicated, and it has to be your life, you know, if you want to be good at it. And at any of them, you know, you got to train hard, and just best of luck to you, you know. But it's a rough life. Yeah, but like I said, it, it, having an identity is great, man. People know who you are. They're coming up to you for autographs. It blows you away. Me, just a little immigrant kid. And I go to, like, New Atlantic City, and people are coming up to me, and they know who I am because they see me on TV. It's just so weird, you know. But it's got to it's got to be a great feeling. Oh, it is a great feeling. Even even they, even every so often somebody will recognize me and makes you feel really good, you know. Well, I'd hate to say it, but we are running out of time, Kenny, because I... I <laughs> This it's just been an honor talking to you. Like well, my my listeners, uh, if you don't understand, let me just tell you this: is somebody I've watched as a kid. You know, you watch your watch Michael Jordan or whomever big name. To me, this is like the the same type of deal. 
as if I was off the old, as if I was also to have Hoist Gracie on the show. But uh, Kenny's from my neck of the woods, and uh, that's why this interview means a lot to me. And uh, Kenny, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here for it. Hey, thank you. But you make me feel bad when you say you as a kid. <laughs> make me feel old, man. Oh, I'm getting there too. I'm getting there too. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe it <laughs> anyway Kenny I want to go ahead and uh, let you uh, give it, give a chance to if you have any sponsors out there or whatever give a shout out to them okay yeah if you're ever up in Idaho and you get thrown in jail make sure you call me Kenny King Belbon 398-8877 okay I'll, if you, I'll get you out so fast, it'll knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good. That's a good promo for your business. Yeah, Kenny, it's been a real pleasure having you here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And hey, do you ever remember the days up in Horseshoe Bend at Mill Pond? Man, I used to love to go fishing up there. Oh, I, I've done some fishing there myself. So I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks right. for having me on the show, and I'll talk to you later. All right, there you have the classic interview with the Emmett Eliminator, Kenny Keene, and it was great talking to him, yeah, 11 years ago. Oh, my goodness. All right, it's time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we have a brand-new track from Ava Under Fire. Then we have Chris Angeles, Tom McDonald, 3D In Your Face, and Topher. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. Untouchable, unstoppable... There's a fine line between a good time and a flat line, baby. They told you that you're nothing, that you're no good. Yeah, never could, baby. Till that night, we let the sparks fly. If you want to Oh, oh, oh. 
at supermarkets worldwide. Are you tired of having the same old soft drink day after day, week after week, year after year? Well, the makers of Mountain Dew have solved that problem. It's Dolly Parton's Titty Sweat. Direct from the titties of Dolly Parton and freshly squeezed, too. And yes, it's 100% natural and great tasting, too. It's Dolly Parton's Titty Juice. Now available for only $19.99 a can and available at supermarkets worldwide.
think it's crazy I'm the one who they labeled as controversial And Cardi B is the role model for 12 year old girls There's rappers pushing Xanax at the top of the billboard But if I mention race in a song I'm scared I'll get killed for it It's backwards, it's getting exponentially dumb It's more difficult to get a job than purchase a gun Eminem used to gay bash and murder his mom And now he doesn't want fans if they voted for Trump We're ashamed to be American You should probably love it Cause you have the right to say it and not get strung up in public As children we were taught how to walk and talk But the system wants adults to sit down and shut up Cancel culture runs the world now, the planet went crazy Label everything we say as homophobic or racist If you're white then you're privileged, guilty by association All our childhood heroes got me too'd or they're rapists They never freed the slaves, they realized that they don't need the change They gave us tiny screens, we think we free cause we can't see the cage They knew that race war would be the game they need to play For people to big teams, they used the media to feed the flame They show fake woe Facts don't care about feelings They know they won't Tell me what to believe in They show fake woe Same old, safe souls They show fake woe Crazy all these people screaming facts but they fake woke Hate their neighbor cause he wears a mask or he stays home Has a daughter but his favorite artist said he slays hoes Picks her up from school, music slaps on the way home Censorship's an issue cause they choose what they erase There's a difference between hate speech and speech that you hate I think Black Lives Matter was the stupidest name When the system's screwing everyone exactly the same I just wanna spend Thanksgiving Day with food and my family Without being accused of celebrating native casualties We got so divided it's black and white and political Republicans are Bigots, libtards, if you're liberal There's riots in our streets and it's just getting worse Y'all screaming deep on the police, y'all a genius for sure They're underfunded already, they're way too busy to work Order food and call the cops, see what reaches you first Segregation ended, that's a lie in itself That was a strategy to make us think they were trying to help They knew that racism was hot if they designed it to sell We buy up every single box and divide us ourselves They sell fake woke Facts don't care about feelings They know they won't Tell me what to believe in They sell fake woke Same old, safe souls They sell fake woke To get peace and wonder why it isn't working That's like sleeping with a football team to try and be a virgin Politicians are for sale and someone always makes the purchase But you and I cannot afford it, our democracy is worthless If a man has mental illness, call him crazy, say it silently When country's going crazy, we accept it as society Get sick and take a pill when the side effects get you high You get addicted like these rappers dying, fighting with sobriety Censoring the facts turns our children into idiots They claim it's for our safety, I'll tell you what it really is Removing information that empowers all the citizens The truth doesn't damage Points of view that are legitimate They're trying to change amen to amen and women How do we let them make praying a microaggression Instead of asking God for the strength to keep winning We cheat to get ahead and then we ask him for forgiveness Feminism used to be the most righteous of fights But these days it feels like they secretly hate guys I don't trust anyone who bleeds for a week and don't die I'm just kidding But everything else that I said is right They so fake woke Facts don't care about
attention And when you tell me how they think it, they reduce it to my melanin Like I didn't pay the cost, my brother sick a lot For your chance at the donkey or the elephant when neither one is relevant This is for the blacks and the whites that are coming out arrogant Calling me a traitor for not following, I heard it's absurd And I heard that it's even more prevalent when you don't understand what I've been through And blood don't tell me who I'm kin to That's determined in by the friends who share the same values as me Don't pretend to Act like you know everything that I need Conservative in the way I believe Regardless of whatever you may perceive I'm black and nobody can take that from me community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org X point at night, real country dark. You look up at the sky and see everything you've been missing living in the city. You had no idea there were so many stars. No city lights, no traffic noise. You can actually hear your thoughts because you can actually think without distraction. When morning comes, the light breaks over a surreal nine square miles of unobstructed vista. And you think to yourself, this is a good place. It's quiet, it's safe, and it's beautiful. 600 steel-reinforced concrete bunkers sit on X-Point. They're 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, and have 12 and a half foot high ceilings. The price is $45,000, which is very cheap for what you get and where you get it. In times of natural or national emergency, this is the place you want to be. It's a community, not a commune, and the people there are like-minded. Send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com and let us connect you with X-Point. X marks your spot. That's the point. 
Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats, that's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We The People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We The People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait. Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. As a member of law enforcement, Michael Miller fights for the individual freedom and liberty of the people of Idaho, the freedom of choice. He will continue to do so as a member of Idaho's legislature. He is fighting for local businesses to get their business licenses back. He also fights for individuals' right to medical freedom. I'm Mike Miller. People should be able to choose what they inject or ingest into their bodies, not their government, their school, or their employer. We must work together to bring back liberty and freedom in Idaho. We need to stop government mandates. We must stop federal government overreach that directly affects our lives here in Idaho. And as Idaho grows, we must encourage responsible growth and promote new and existing businesses. I'm running because I believe that freedom and liberty are fundamental to our culture and are worth fighting for. Vote Michael Miller for Idaho Legislator and make waves. Join him on social media or visit MillerForIdaho.com. From the bowels of a nondescript building in a little hick town, this is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in a mood to deal with you today, you stupid all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Topher with, I'm Still Black. Before that, 3D in Your Face with, Baptized by the Radio. Before that, Tom McDonald with Fake Woke. Prior to that, Chris Angeles with 20 Miles to Empty. And starting off the whole set, brand new track from Ava Under Fire called Unstoppable. 
Yes, indeed. And we're going to be moving right along. Yes, indeed. Turning things over to the icon, Stephen James, for the Steve Solution. I don't care who you're voting for, Democrat or Republican, you need to be able to prove who you are. Because what's to stop tons and tons of individuals for whatever party, for whatever office, of registering repeatedly and sending different people into polling stations or the same person into polling stations over and over and over again using different voter registration cards when they've obviously voted fraudulently several times over. This is The Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the club, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, the icon, Stephen James. Billy, what the hell is going on with you tonight? Uh, not a lot. Not a lot. Just another fucking day in paradise. Uh, I Been, don't know that I'd call Idaho paradise. Especially oh, fuck yeah, here. I would. I most definitely would. Well, you know, if you like potatoes. Hey, there's more than potatoes here, yes. I like to think of... Uh, you know, Northeast Arkansas, just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, is a little slice of paradise with a little bit too many mosquitoes. Yeah, you know what? What I've been looking at, what I've been thinking paradise, is uh, lately I decided to start binge-watching uh, Yellowstone. Oh, great show. Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes me want to uh, take a nice hot iron and tell you to bury your chest and bite down on a stick. I, You know, I love Cole Hauser's character in that show. I mean, I was already a fan of Cole Hauser long before that show. Uh, he did a, uh, he starred in a movie years ago called Paparazzi that I fell in love with. Uh, oh, he was a... He was in another movie that I really liked that reminded me of my teenage oh, days. Down, uh, don't even talk about higher learning. No, dazed and confused. Just, oh, I thought you were going to talk about higher learning where he was a crazy ass fucking skinhead. Oh, I, I didn't know he was in that, but uh, no. no, he ordered. He, yeah, he was the leader of the skinhead group in that movie. <laughs> no, but he was. Fuck uh, you, James. You don't even got your goddamn GED. Now, I, I Moving remember, needs more people like you being engineers, Remy. When he was, uh, now when he was Benny from Dazed and Confused and had his paddle ready going after some freshman kids. Oh, that was a good one. Then he was also, uh, it only ran for one season. Him and Anthony Anderson uh, had a uh, cop series set in New Orleans right after Katrina. I can't remember the name of the series, but I don't know why it got canceled. I love that show. Cole Hauser is just, he's seriously underrated. He really is. Great actor. But I'm looking at the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch, and I'm seeing the way that uh, Kevin Costner's living. I'm thinking, that's got to be a slice of heaven right there. Uh, I would agree. Uh, Yellowstone's an amazing show. Uh the prequel that was only available on uh, what was it? Paramount? Paramount Plus, uh, 1883 with uh, Saint, um, Tim McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill. 
and not to mention, you know, the always phenomenal Samuel L. Jack or Samuel Elliott. He's great too, but uh, Sam Elliott is what meant to mention. You know, you know what the, the the weird thing was too is I just started watching that because I, you know, how I like westerns. I had no idea that the two were connected, and then. Uh, my buddy uh, Brett Sessom's like, you got to watch Yellowstone. And I'm like, oh, I'll check it out. I'm like, I like this. Oh, no, Yellowstone's phenomenal. Uh, I would compare Yellowstone as the modern version of uh, the Western. The modern know, Western. Drama. It, well, Yellowstone is like a modern Dallas. Actually, more like. Uh, or like uh, Longmire. Longmire is good, but Dallas is, or excuse me, uh, Yellowstone's better. And um, I never watched Longmire. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, but but I grew up with Dallas. So anyway, let's get back to the original subject, and that is, of course, constitutional carry. States where you are allowed to carry your fucking gun as any god-given law-abiding American citizen should be able to do and in any state. It, you but, know, and in any way you want, mind you, whether you want to conceal or you want to have it wide open for everybody to see, it doesn't matter. Well, it varies, obviously, from state to state. I mean, obviously, there's the, you know, more open states that you can carry however you want to carry, which I like. There's the states that you can legally open carry, and then there's the states where you have to have a specific license to carry either open or concealed. You have to have the specific license for either. Most of those liberal states, if you want to open carry with a license, obviously you have to go through all kinds of crazy-ass fucking retarded government hoops. Now, how is, I know that uh, Arkansas is one, of, is one of these great states. Idaho is one of these great states where basically, yeah, like I said here, uh, you can conceal carry without a permit. It, it helps to have a permit. It's like an extension of that right, mind you. To have it, yeah, uh, you definitely have to deal with a lot less bullshit uh, if you happen to get pulled over or anything like that uh, here in Arkansas. But uh, no, where I live in Arkansas, which again, I'm you know not too far out of Memphis, Tennessee. That's why you know tell people Memphis. It's easier for them to judge where I live geographically. Uh, I actually live just outside of Jonesboro, Arkansas, if you want to look that up, people. But here in Arkansas, uh, and the law is actually still kind of murky, but basically, I can carry any way I want. Personally, I choose to carry concealed. I do not have a license to carry concealed. I don't need one because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I do not have a criminal history, uh, particularly one that involves firearms. And I have been pulled over and I do tell the cops, yeah, I do. I am carrying a loaded firearm in the car. They tend to be a little more cautious. 
but because I've informed them ahead of time, I, you know, I tell them where the gun is, whether it's on my person or whether it's in a particular spot in my vehicle. They're always extremely polite. The, the law enforcement officers here in Arkansas are great. I've never received a citation or a charge or, you know, been detained, anything like that. It's, you know, perfectly fine. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty much the same way here. You know, I mean, our gun laws are almost identical. And let's let's think about it, too, is, um, you know, you have these uneducated leftists and and mind you, there are some blue states that are are just like us too, like New Hampshire, for example. Yeah, they're they're gun loving sons of bitches, just like us. And let's let's look at uh, Idaho compared to the rest of the nation. Crime rate pretty low. Arkansas, I know Little Rock's up there in crime, but as for the rest of the state, pretty fucking low. New Hampshire. Uh, well, you do have a few other cities, uh, cities like. Forest City, um, Blavel, Wynn, Osceola. But, again, compared to an entire state, these are relatively small communities that have high crime problems, mostly because, big fucking shock, they have drug problems. Yes, yes. Whereas, you know, you get these uneducated leftists like, Oh, open carry? Oh, constitutional carry? That means that uh, there's going to be a higher murder rate. Actually, um, when somebody wants to do uh, a mass school shooting, what they encounter is getting shot back at in the, in our states. You look at that example, um, you know, just a couple of years ago in Texas, where, you know, tragedies, Tragically, yes, a young girl did lose her life. But how many lives were spared by the fact that a parishioner that was in that church was armed and shot the gunman? Yeah. Yeah, and it was one of you know his shots that did unfortunately strike, uh, I believe it was a young girl, and killed her. And, you know, we all feel very bad about that. But... How many lives were saved by the fact that he had a gun and took down the shooter? If nobody had a gun in there except the gunman, how many people were going to be dead? And as I've stated time and time and time and time again, as many people stated what I'm about to say, gun laws are not going to keep guns out of the hands of criminals. No, uh, I mean, because... They, they disarmed the. They disarmed everybody in Venezuela, and except uh, they, so they uh, thought. That worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very simple. I mean, disarming the populace is literally the first step to tyrannical rule. You saw it first in a major way in. Germany pre World War II, they disarmed the people. Now, what happened? The fascists took over. We had the Nazis. Oh, wasn't it? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quote here. If you wish to conquer a nation, you must first disarm its citizens. Who's, ah, I believe that was um, uh, some guy with a mustache. A guy with a really thin mustache. 
wasn't thin, it was short. And and thin, a, and thin, a, is, thin and, is up to down like, you know. And a horrible um, comb over. Yeah, I'll give you that. But yeah, uh, but it doesn't just go from the far insane right wing of the Nazis. It also goes to the extreme far left wing of the communists because what did they do in Russia and Cuba and every other communist nation like Venezuela? They took away the fucking citizens' guns. It's the same thing on both sides of the extreme political aisle. Yes. You know, and as I was stating with uh, Mike Miller earlier too, Stephen, is that, um, you know, you look at uh, what's coming across the the uh, Mexican border, none of them are Cubans or Venezuelans. Why wouldn't they, why won't they let Cubans and Venezuelans in here? I didn't know we weren't letting Venezuelans in here, but. Uh, mainly, uh, could it be because they know better? They, as far as a socialist government? I think so. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't think we should let anybody from a socialist government into this country. At the same time, I also think we should let all refugees from socialist countries in here. So I just think, you know, anyone who wants to be here from a socialist country needs to be uh, heavily vetted. You know, are they running from the government or are they running here for the government? We need to find that out. Well, for one, yeah, if, most most of the time, especially Cubans, it's uh, it's because they don't want to live the way they've been living anymore, and they're ready to change, and they're ready to assimilate. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, you look at, you know, the way, the way most, you know, first-generation Cubans come over here, they don't come over here on airplanes or ships. They come over here on what they call boats, but what should be charitably referred to as rafts made out of fucking, you know, fence boards and tires. And yeah, I get it. It's only a 90 mile trip, right? Um, a 90 mile trip in some of the worst waters in the world where you're in hurricane season and you're in shark infested Caribbean waters, you got to want to get the fuck out of there to yeah. do that. And you know what? Those Cubans, I'm all for having them here. <laughs> and what's the first thing they do when they get here? They become citizens. Not all, they become law-abiding citizens. Uh, they're and they love their guns, love their God. They're, you know, they they become the epitome of what an Amer uh, today still an American should be. I kill a communist fun for a green card. I gotta cut him up real nice. <laughs> Somebody's bad, been watching. Example, bad example of Cuban immigrants. I just love that line. You know what, though? Um, one thing, I ju just a side note really quick. I think it's kind of stupid that they we had to boycott Cuban cigars. So that's one thing that uh, Fidel, the only thing I'll give Fidel Castro for credit for is good cigars. 
And well, you know, I, and, I, I don't and, give and, and leave. Why do? Why does everything Russian right now have to be boycotted? Like Russian breeds of cats are not allowed in shows right now because of the between them and Ukraine. It's like that's fucking retarded. I uh, don't know a damn thing about cats except that you know if you die with a cat in the house, it'll eat you. So I stay away from cats. <laughs> Still, though, I mean, but, how stupid is that? You have a Russian breed of cat. You can't enter into a cat show. Uh, well, I mean, I understand the concept. You know, it's yeah. anything we can do designed to, you know, put any kind of hurt on Russia. Uh, personally, you know, I'm, uh, when it comes to liquor, uh, I prefer three things. I prefer, you know, Tennessee whiskey made by Mr. Jack Daniels. I prefer... No Kentucky bourbon by Mr. Jim Beam. Uh, well, that's actually number four out of the top three, but uh, I do also like um, a nice Irish whiskey made by Mr. John Jameson. And when it comes to vodka, um, oddly enough, I was not hurt by the Russian embargo, although I think there may be a shortage of Smirnoff coming up. I drink uh, Core Vodka, which has a much longer Ukrainian name. I'm in fear at the moment that I'm going to have a short supply of my Ukrainian vodka that I like, and that pisses me off because <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's kind of nice, though, to, to I'm not seeing such a shortage of bullets like I was. Uh, recently, it's getting easier again to buy ammunition. I think you know we should all be shipping bullets over to uh, President Zelensky because you know, like he said, I don't need a way out. I need bullets. <laughs> Gotta love that man. Um, I, I'm not. I've got no comment there because, like I said uh, before, I don't. Uh, I really don't. I just don't give a shit about that conflict. But moving on. Uh, well, I, that's false to say for me because I do give a shit about that conflict because the more Russia takes over, the more we are going to have to get involved at some point. And I hope the Ukrainians keep doing what they're doing because as a country, they're taking on a fucking military like 10 times their size and they're holding their own for the most part. That's great. But if Russia gets Ukraine, they're going to go after another country and another country and another country. And they're eventually going to build, try to rebuild the Soviet Union. That's their whole point. And eventually we mm. are, if they win, get into what's going to be World War Three, which is going to be the basic allied nations, mostly us, the U.S., and we're going to have to fight Russia. I don't want to get to that point. I think somebody needs to slip in there, put a fucking bullet in Putin's head, and See, just stop like it. I, like I said, there, there's too... Stephen, we can go on all day and night, but there's too much that you don't know about that. I mean, because there's, there's, there's shit... There's other shit going on. That we do not know about. That's why I was like, I was like, fuck this. 
you know, right, the conspiracy theories, um, not yeah. quite down that far down the rabbit hole as you are, but back yeah. to the uh, you know, open carry or constitutional carry, yes. I mean, I don't know, I could sometimes, especially if I find a, a leftist, I I don't know. It's like I kind of like knowing that uh, they they have to get edgy if they're around somebody with a gun and there's not a damn thing they can do about it, even though I'm never going to pull it on them unless, of course, they want to try to grab my daughter or something. Then they'll have a problem. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, the a lot of these leftists, they're, they're trying to make rules especially in uh, constitutional carry states like uh, like one of them over in Boise was uh, setting up a display in a you know in a place that uh, was owned by the city and something owned by the city you can carry there now you can come up to an establishment like a store or a bar or restaurant and they can tell you that you can't carry a gun in there regardless of whether you're licensed or not, whether, you know, regardless of the state. But if it's, if it's a state or city run property, they can't, they can't do that yet. They're, they're still trying and they're trying. And <laughs> it's, it's hilarious how, how far they'll go. You know what I'm talking about? If you can still hear me. Sorry. I'm sorry, you were breaking up a little bit there at the end. Can you repeat that for me? I just said it, it's it's hilarious how, how far some of these leftists will end up going. Um, you know, and and try and try to try to tell you what you can and can't do on public property that they have nothing to do with. Or, you know, even school districts or things like that. But, you know what, uh, you know what else my uh, concealed carry permit gives me, Stephen? It's like, uh, I don't, obviously, you can't carry on a campus unless you have a license. Now, post office, it doesn't fucking matter. But I can, I can go... Onto the co- onto the college campus here, and, and carry, and they, and uh, I'm st- I'm within my legal rights to do so. Well, I mean, I kind of get that to a certain extent. I mean, there's obviously been, you know, a plethora, of, uh, unfortunately, in the last few years of school shootings. But again, none of those shooters have been adults walking in and shooting. It's always been minors. So I don't quite understand that. I think uh, also how many of them had to deal with an armed teacher ready to shoot back and protect the rest of the class. I I happen to agree with that. Uh, You know, our great friends, the Israelis, Teachers in Israeli schools literally have an M16 in the classroom. And they're trained to use it because every Israeli citizen, 
by the way, is also in the fucking military. Not so much by desire, but, you know, by the fact that they're a very small country in the very center of the Middle East and everyone around them, for fucking no reason, hates them. Especially the Palestinians. Yes. Well, we are almost out of time. Wow, did it it just go by so fast. But uh, really quick, in conclusion, Stephen, I'd, I'd say... An, an armed an armed neighborhood is is a safer neighbor. It's not a hundred percent safe, but it's safer. So, you know, constitutional carry is a good thing because I mean you're going to see a lot less crime if there's constitutional carry. You let law-abiding citizens in New York or Los Angeles carry you'll see the crime rate drop real fucking quick. No, I agree completely. Uh, Places where citizens are allowed to open carry have lower crime rates, period. Because, A, simply, criminals do not fucking advertise that they're carrying because they can't. Exactly. So, if every citizen that believes in guns was allowed in any state to openly show the fact that they're caring, I'm sorry, next time I'm in fucking Walmart and some dickhead tries to pull out a gun... When 15 other people fucking draw down on him or her and go, no, not going to happen. They're going to shit their pants, drop their gun, and submit to arrest or try to run, but whatever, they're dropping their gun first and foremost, or they're getting shot. Exactly. Well, we are definitely out of time, so uh, what's on tap for next week is yet to be determined, even though I'm, I'm talking to a couple of people and got something, uh, should have something pretty good planned. We're going to end the show with Jason Springs and what it means to be a man. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and we shall be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. You don't know if you're ready. Well, that's showing them weakness Now you're second-guessing Maybe you're half as strong as you need to be There's a line in the sand, boy Are you willing and able? Where is your ink? Son, show me your scars 
T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to FreshBakedTees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today.
support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of outlawradioabs.com. Get Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden nutritional support system. Check out We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. Click on the We the People holsters banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Get the best night's sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's My Pillow, Pillows, and other products. Click on the My Pillow banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Use promo code Outlaw and save up to sixty-six percent. Visit My Patriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a twenty-five-year shelf life. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at etruzu.com. E T R U Z O O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Artists performing include Colby Cooper, Lainey Wilson, Ellie Mae Mellencamp, Cliff Miller, Austin English, The Steel Woods, Shane Smith and the Saints, Sam Riggs, and more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2022 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, Snake River Pool and Spa, and 95.7 KEZJ, Southern Idaho's new country. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. That's Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too, no matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. 
I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions.